Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. Can we all look up and read together? One to go. Hey, yeah. Can we all read together? One to go. Shout glory. It says, But you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is that not powerful? So he says, we are, say I am. I am. You are a chosen generation. You are a chosen generation. And says, you are a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people. So we are a chosen generation. And then we are also a royal priesthood. A royal priesthood. Is that not powerful? That means that in the mind of God, we have been made priests. Amen. It means that we have been made priests to God. In the mind of God, we have been made priests. Is that not powerful? So it says that we are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A nation that is holy. And we are a peculiar people. A special kind of people. We are not just ordinary. We are not just like anyone. What is important is that we are a royal priesthood. Say, I am a royal priesthood. Or say that you mean say I am a royal priesthood. So it says that we are a royal priesthood, meaning that we are priests. Revelation chapter one verse six. A royal priesthood. If it says we are a royal priesthood, then it means that we have been made priests. We belong to the priesthood. Of God. The Christian has been made priest. The Christian belongs to the priesthood of God. And has made us kings and priests. So what Peter said is what John is writing in the book of Revelation. Peter said we are a royal priesthood. Royal priesthood means king 
priest. Royalty has to do with kingship. And priesthood has to do with priests. So now John also reiterates that or re-emphasizes on that when he says, and he has made us, he has made us kings, he has made us priests unto God and his father. Now, go to verse 5 first. You can't do these two jobs. I think you should just leave this one standing at the right place. That's all. Amen. Because today we are going to be looking at a lot of scriptures. So. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in his own blood, then verse 6 says, and has made us. He didn't say he will make us. He didn't say one day he will. Say he has. Say I have been made. The word he uses for made eh, is a very powerful word. Every time I talk about that. He says we have been made. In Christianity, we have been made. Many Christians think that they are about to be made. But in the mind of God, we have been made. We have been made kings and priests. It's unto God and unto His Father. Now, one major important fact or truth about priesthood is that we can't be made, we can't be made priests without a high priest. We, the church, cannot be called or made priests without a high priest. Whenever the scriptures talk about priesthood, there is always a high priest. And the high priest has that responsibility to do certain or perform certain duties that the priest cannot perform. And the high priest has a spiritual authority over his priest. So when you read throughout the Bible, you see where the Bible talks about the Levitical priesthood, where God in the Old Testament raised priests, raised priests out of the lineage of Levi. See, not all those who belong to the house of Levi were priests. But he brought what priests out of that. Out of those priesthood, he had a high priest. And he had the other priest. See, the high priest had a spiritual responsibility and authority over all the other priesthood. Come on, shout glory. In the same way, in the New Testament, we, the church of Jesus Christ, have been made priests unto God. But you see, we can't be made priests Without a high priest. There's always a high priest who carries the spiritual, higher spiritual responsibility. So if he calls us priests, then definitely there should be a high priest. Is that clear? And sometimes, the high priest is the firstborn. Sometimes. So in the New Testament, where we just get to be verse 5, since he is the first begotten from the dead. The New Testament calls Jesus the firstborn from the dead. So he is the firstborn. So that all, the, all his brethren, all his brothers, would be made priests. As the firstborn, he is the high priest. You will hear that shout hallelujah to that. So when he calls us a royal priesthood, he is also giving us a kind of 
implication, he's implying to us that as long as he's calling us, or so far as he's calling us priests, then by implication, there is a high priest. You didn't hear what I said? So we can't talk about the priesthood of the church without talking about the high priest of the church. You can't talk about the priesthood of the church without talking about the high priest of the same church. Shout glory. Shout glory. Is that not powerful? Look at what I just said there. Look at what I just said there. You know, is that powerful? Hebrews, take us to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. Reading from verse 1 to 2. Hebrews chapter 8. It's a midweek service. Is that not true? It's a classroom and so we teach certain things. Sometimes out of what we are teaching. Amen. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne. Who has that high priest? Do you see there? Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the psalm. Since we have such an high priest, who has that high priest? Oh, I said, who has that high priest? The church. Since we have such an high priest. So say, I have an high priest. Say it again. Say, I have an high priest. So this, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. This high priest is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Uh-huh. A minister of the sanctuary uh-huh. and of the true tabernacle which the Lord established, founded, and not man. So this, we have a high priest who is the minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle. Meaning that a high priest is a minister or the high priest that we have is the minister of the heavenly sanctuary or the heavenly tabernacle. Write it down. The high priest that we have is a minister. A minister of the heavenly tabernacle. And sanctuary. He's a minister. Of the heavenly tabernacle. And sanctuary. And he says this sanctuary was not founded by a man. Was not pitched by a man. This sanctuary. Was pitched or founded. By God himself and not a man. So the high priest office. Is the office that ministers. Or the ministry that ministers. In a heavenly. Tabernacle. He says. And. This heavenly tabernacle. Is not a tabernacle that was started by a man. Or founded by a man. Or established by a man. But a tabernacle. That was established by God Himself. 
Meaning there is a heavenly tabernacle. Write it down. And I'm going to show you one or two things that is very important. In fact, <laughs> it's strange. Is that not strange? See, there is a heavenly tabernacle. He points us to a heavenly tabernacle. Or a tabernacle in heaven or in the heavens. A tabernacle which is in the heavens. This tabernacle is a person tabernacle. Write it down. This tabernacle is a person tabernacle. Not a structure. This tabernacle is a person tabernacle and not a structure. And the high priestly ministry or office is the most revered office or ministry of God. The high priestly office or ministry is the most revered. So the person who is the high priest is the most revered person among the ministers of God. The high priestly ministry or office is the most revered office. Of God, the most revered office, the most revered ministry of God. And the minister is the most revered person among the ministers of God. Because there are several ministers of God, both in heaven and on earth. But among all of them, the most revered one is the one who occupies the, priestly, the high priestly office. Among all of them, the one who occupies the high priestly office. Is that clear? Is that clear? So Hebrews chapter 8. It says that, take us back to verse 1. And you know, Jesus is the one who is the high priest of this office currently. Is the high priest. Is that true? So now of the things which you have spoken, this is the psalm. We have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Now God has always looked for a high priest. God has always looked for a high priest that will minister in the heavenly sanctuary. In fact, God has always longed for or looked for a tabernacle, a particular tabernacle. The Bible calls that a true tabernacle. God has always looked or longed for a true tabernacle and also looked and longed for a particular kind of high priest. I think you should write that down. God has always looked and longed for a particular tabernacle. He calls that a true tabernacle. A true tabernacle and a particular high priest. And a particular high priest. Because we all know that Jesus had an earthly ministry. And left. Ascended into the heavens. And gave the church that responsibility to continue the ministry. But most Christians think that after Jesus sat down on the right hand of God. Even though the scripture says he's resting. He is not ministering. 
Jesus has a present ministry. Jesus has a current ministry. And that ministry that Jesus has is the high priestly ministry. The high priestly ministry. So Jesus has a current and present ministry. Now according to the foreknowledge of God, when we look at what I just described about us being the priest and Jesus being the high priest, it means that according to the foreknowledge of God, when God had foreknown that Jesus was going to come, among all the other things, other, other purposes for which Jesus was going to come, Jesus was going to establish a priesthood. So, after God, according to God's foreknowledge, Jesus will be establishing a priesthood of which he will be the high priest of that priesthood. So, one of the purposes why Jesus came, among other purposes, is to begin a priesthood of which he will be the high priest of that priesthood. Don't ever forget that. I've said there are various reasons why Jesus came. Sin is part, but sin is not the only reason. There are other reasons why he came. And I think when I was talking about seven reasons why Jesus came, I mentioned this. Amen. I mentioned this. So one of the reasons why Jesus came was to establish a priesthood and to be able to bring to pass the realization of God's dreams with regards to priesthood. See, to bring to pass the realization of God's dreams or God's foreknowledge. With regards to priesthood. Shout amen. amen. So I said that he started what? He preached. Let me give you a scripture. That tells us that. He did that. Amen. 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 Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 26. Are you following what I'm teaching so far? Is it clear? Let's go to, let's start with verse 25. When it starts from 40, yeah, it means that we have to start reading somewhere. Even this one says, it says no. So For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, or the shadow of the true. But Christ is entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Oh, shout glory to this one. Now continue. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. Verse 26. Nor yet, nor yet, for then must he often suffered this, suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Do you see that? So it means that before or since the foundation of the world, God had a plan or a purpose of a tabernacle with a priesthood. Amen. But you see, this priesthood couldn't be realized. This high priesthood ministry couldn't be realized. So it says that Jesus had appeared 
at the end of, in the end of the world, has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself? That means that there is a kind of relationship between priesthood or the high priest and the sacrifice of sins. Write it down. There's a kind of relationship between the priesthood of God and the sacrifice of sins. Is that not powerful? Are you writing something down? So even though in the mind of God you had a heavenly tabernacle, pitch and all that, (laughs) is that not strange and powerful? The tabernacle had been pitched, but had not yet been realized. Had not yet been realized. There, there was no high priest also to minister in that tabernacle that had been pitched before the foundation of the world. And God needed a high priest. But you see, I said some, there's a relationship between the high priest and sin, the sacrifice of sin. Also, there needed to be a high priest who would be a high priest by an oath. Why? Whenever the Bible talks about an oath of God, God making an oath, like when we read, it says God swore by himself concerning Abraham. He does that so that that particular thing cannot be changed. The oath of God makes whatever God does by that oath unchangeable or immutable. So when he blessed Abraham, and he confirmed it by an oath, the blessing could not be changed. Amen. The blessings could not be changed. Since by two immutable things, or two unchangeable things. In the same way, God needed a high priest, which, a high priest, which has an oath, or who has an oath attached to his office. So in some Psalm 110, it says that the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind or will not repent. See, concerning Jesus, see, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Go to Psalm 110. Am I teaching something to you today? Psalm 110 from verse 4. It's so important. So important. When you understand this, you understand the role of tithes. You understand the role of givings. So you understand the role of prayers and praises. You see all of that, not as something we are giving to God, but you see all of these things as a priestly duties. As a priestly duty. Or as priestly duties of the believer. Did you hear what I said? I will get to that. So the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, with the psalmist talking about this, 
He is talking about Christ Jesus who, whose priesthood has an oath attached to it. And whose priesthood is going to be after the order of Melchizedek. Did we read about Melchizedek two weeks ago? So, the scripture says Melchizedek came to take tithes of Abraham. Melchizedek came to take tithes of Abraham. But God has sworn that the priesthood of Jesus will be after the order of Melchizedek. But before then, or even before then, after then, you know, Melchizedek came in Genesis, right? Melchizedek came and took the tithe of, of Abraham even before the law was given to Moses. Meaning that before God started the laws in the Old Testament, started the priesthood in the Old Testament, the Levitical priesthood, and gave the laws to Moses, and all of that, Exodus throughout. Before then, God had a priest, a high priest in mind. But they couldn't bring forth that high priest. But they made an introduction of a similitude of that high priest. A person that is similar to that high priest. Melchizedek is the similitude of Christ Jesus. So the priesthood of Melchizedek, or the high priesthood, priestly ministry of Melchizedek, is like a, a type of that of Christ Jesus. The high priestly ministry of Melchizedek. He was just introduced just sharply. Amen. Because God wanted to just announce that kind of priesthood before he begins to deal with the Israelites. All this time, the Israelites, those, the Moses, the Jews, all of those things had not yet even begun. But this has to do with Abraham. Jacob's name had not yet been changed. But God, first of all, introduced the subject and introduced the person and left it there to give us a clue of what he was going to do in the time to come. If you heard that shout, glory to that. So the high priest is the spiritual leader of God's priesthood. The high priest. So when we say Jesus is the high priest in the New Testament, then Jesus is the spiritual leader of the priesthood of God. He's the spiritual leader. This is so important. The spiritual leader of the priesthood. Is it not amazing? Is it amazing? He is the spiritual leader or the spiritual head of the priesthood of God. Or the parochial of priests. Is that not powerful? Did you get what I said? Now, in the Old Testament, after Melchizedek had been introduced, the seed of Abraham, Jacob, had an encounter where his name was changed to Israel. 
Before then, God had given a prophecy to Abraham that his seed will go into slavery. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, where we get the Israelites from the Jews. And through Joseph, God fulfilled that prophecy of slavery. When I was talking about prophecy, I said, not all prophecies that are positive and happy, you'll be happy about. When God gave a prophecy to Abraham, it wasn't a prophecy to just be happy about. Is that not true? When God gives you a prophecy that is on time to come, your children's children, your generation will all be made slaves in a foreign land. Is that a good prophecy? But God gave that prophecy to Abraham. And that prophecy came to pass where the Jews were all made, made slaves in Egypt and told him that after over 400 years, I will deliver them with a mighty hand. So after those years, the Lord delivered the Israelites out of Egypt and raised Moses to do that and took the, the Israelites through the wilderness. So even though he had promised them a promised land, he had said he was going to take them to a promised land. If you are here, give me a wave and let me see. So, even though he had told them he was taking them to a promised land, and, and this is so powerful, is this not so powerful? So he was taking them to a promised land. For 40 years, they could not go there because of their own belief. So God instructed Moses to establish an earthly tabernacle. The purpose for that earthly tabernacle is for the people of Israel to be able to worship the Lord in the wilderness. So it was not a, that earthly tabernacle was not a permanent tabernacle. It was a tabernacle that would be moved. So he had to instruct Moses to do it in such a way that they could move the tabernacle. As they moved in the wilderness, they moved with the tabernacle. Is that not powerful? But the tabernacle was for worshipping the Lord. God wanted them to worship Him. Amen. But you see, He told Moses that this tabernacle, He told Moses the materials with which He had to fix the tabernacle. The materials with which He had to do this tabernacle. Amen. Or establish this tabernacle. The material. And also told Him the pattern the pattern. The pattern. Now the pattern that Moses was supposed to use in building the tabernacle was a pattern that had to do with the heavenly pattern. So you see that you do this according to the pattern that is shown to you. That's what God told Moses. Moses was building a tabernacle so the people of Israel could worship the Lord in the wilderness. Shout glory. But that was not there. The actual intention of God. Yet for that time, or for that time being, they had to do that. Now that tabernacle was built in such a way that there was the outer court of that tabernacle. And there was a tent. And the tent, they had a place that was referred to as the holy place. See, in the tent, there was a curtain that divided the tent. I'm not going to do, go in details of that. I just want you to see this thing because I'm taking you somewhere. Say, so take us somewhere, sir. Well, this is not a common message to a common person. Is that not true? 
So I have to listen to it again and again. In fact, even Paul himself said it. That I have things to talk about Melchizedek. But he says, because you are dull of hearing, I can't tell you a lot of things about it. Concerning the same tabernacle, Paul said again, that of which it's difficult to explain certain things. Amen. In the book of Hebrews. So, I'm not expecting you to catch it at once. And I'm expecting you to go back. This, that's why it's a classroom. The Wednesday service is what? Classroom. Where you go back and study, listen and study. Come on, shout glory. So the tabernacle was such that there was an altar place where sacrifices for the things were made. So continually. Then there was also a tent. And this tent had two, we will say two rooms divided by curtains. The first part was the holy place. The second part was the holiest of all or most holy place. Now with the holy place, it was only the priest that could enter. The most holy place or the holiest of all, it was only the high priest that could enter. And the high priest entered the holiest of all to offer sacrifices for the sins of the people once every year. So when we're studying even, even uh, when, the Remathon, some of the things we're talking about, about the garden, the cross of the, and the throne, you see, what we're talking about, about the priest, the scapegoat, the widow had the scapegoat, and the sin offering. So we said the priest, or the high priest. That's why it's important you don't, you don't skip what we teach. Is that not true? So in the tent, the high priest had a responsibility to enter the holiest of all to offer sacrifices for the saints of the people of Israel once every year. And he had to go with some kind of washings. There was a requirement. The high priest just couldn't enter. Else he would die. Now, the holiest of all was a very sacred place in the tent. Why? Because there was the mercy seat there. There was a mercy seat. There was the Ark of Covenant overlaid by what they call the cherubims of glory where it is supposed that the glory of God was or the presence of God was in the most holy place. So you couldn't Go there to misbehave. You went there for a specific purpose as a high priest. And the presence of God, the glory of God, was there in the Holy of, Holy of Holies. So if the high priest entered and misbehaved, he would die there. Think about it. Is that not strange? That's a tabernacle. Because Paul speaking says that because the way into the holy of, holiest of all, had not yet been made, had not been opened. So it was only the high priest that could have access over there. Can you imagine? Only the high priest had access into the presence of God. But that was a shadow. Right? Because that was not God's original intent. That was, what, that was not what God liked. But that was what was required at that particular time. So God had an issue with the earthly tabernacle. Not only that, apart from the tabernacle, Solomon also built a temple. 
Because Moses was concerned, David was concerned, sorry, that he was living in a palace as a king. Mighty palace. Yet there was no place for God to dwell in his understanding of where God should dwell. There was no place. God was dwelling. It is said that God was dwelling. Or it is known by the Israelites or by the Jews that God was actually dwelling in the most holy place. Did you hear that? And Moses was asked to build it in accordance with the pattern in the heavens. And that's what Moses did. Then in the times of David, David David saw that there is no place for God to dwell. Every time we are carrying the ark, you see, the most holy place was so sacred that those who made a mistake to offer sacrifices and they were not asked to, just died. In fact, as we, as we read throughout the scriptures, when the temple was built by Solomon, the ark was taken into the temple so that the same way God dwells in the holy, most holy place, when the ark is taken to the temple, there will be a most holy place in the temple also. Amen. So the temple was built by Solomon. David was concerned about it. But God did not allow him to build a temple. Even though God, Moses, what do you call David was concerned and Solomon, his son, built God that temple. And the ark was transferred into the temple where the priest could offer his sacrifice, the high priest could offer his sacrifices and the priest could also offer their own sacrifices and all that. The temple was not just what God was after. If you heard that, shout glory to that. God was after something better than that. All these things were shadows of that which was to come. That's about the temple, the tabernacle and the temple. Also, God raised the priesthood in the Old Testament under the law of Moses. You see, the Levitical priesthood. From Levi or Levi. Amen. Amen. And there was this priesthood. But you see, the Bible says there was a problem also with that priesthood. And the Bible tells us what problems that that priesthood had. First of all, that priesthood had certain rules and regulations that could not make anything right. That priesthood. Secondly, that priesthood was a changing priesthood. It was changing priesthood because the priest would die. The, that priesthood had, did not have continuity. The, the Bible says there could not be, I will read that very soon, there could not be continuity in the office of that priesthood. Why? Because the priest would die. When the high priest dies, there must be a change to another person, true or false. When the priest dies, there must be changes with regards to the priesthood. <laughs> Come on, shout glory. So there, was, there couldn't be a continuity of priesthood. So it had fault. Also, that priest, are you listening to what I'm saying? Those priests or those high priests, see, those high priests made sacrifices of bulls and goats and all that. And those sacrifices could not wash away sins. So because they also, the, those priests had faults, because those priests had fault, when they made those sacrifices, they were making those sacrifices, first of all, for themselves. 
See, to cover up their sin. And sacrifices also for the people, the congregation of Israel. Meaning that the priest who was even making a sacrifice himself, was making a sacrifice to cover up for his own sin. Meaning the priest also sinned. Do you know what I'm talking about? And for the sin of the whole congregation. So, those are some of the weaknesses. And it had washings and all those things that were, that could not make, in fact, in some, the Bible says that it, it could not make things right. The sacrifices of the priest could not make things right. The blood of bulls and goats could not make things right. But you should understand that all these things were shadows of what God intended to achieve. Come on, shout glory. Let's read some scriptures to that effect. So that you catch it there. Amen. Amen. I wish I had, in fact, maybe I have to set a month where we just read the book of Hebrews. From chapter 1 to the last chapter of the book of Hebrews. Because what makes some of these things I'm sharing not very clear is because I can't make you read the book of Hebrews, all the book of everything in the book of Hebrews right now. Within one hour. So I have to summarize what I have read. <laughs> is that not strange? Yes. So maybe once, once we are done with this, the next phase will be Hebrews, so that we can just read. And as both of, first of all, last two weeks, the tithes, and then with what I'm sharing right now. Come on, shout glory. Is it clear? Is it clear? Is it clear? Yes. So Hebrews chapter 7. Let's read this before we continue. God had his eyes on a particular priesthood and on a particular tabernacle. So all these things were just shadows. See? So take us to Hebrews. Are we there? My God, it looks like you are asleep. Hebrews chapter 7 from verse 11 to 28. Or you are so uh, enjoying yourself behind the... the <laughs> Shout, powerful man of God. Hebrews chapter 11. He's not sleeping. Hebrews chapter 7, sorry. He's not sleeping. He's just enjoying the message. I could see. Hebrews chapter 7, from verse 11. If therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood, now follow the reading. If you look into your book, you won't see what I'm sharing with you. I said what? If you look inside your book, you won't see. If you are looking inside your Bible, you'll see it there. If you are also watching on the screen, you see it there. It's so important. It says, if therefore perfection whereby the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek? If perfection whereby the Levitical priesthood, I said the Levitical priesthood, the priesthood after Levi, Aaron and his sons, and there were also others like that, who came, we can't go into all of that, but this is therefore perfection whereby the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek? Meaning that the Levitical priesthood could not make things perfect, could not make things right. So there was a need for another priest to arise, not after the 
Levitical, after the order of Levitical priesthood, but after the order of Melchizedek. I said it earlier that God knew about the priesthood of Jesus before even the law. Did you hear what I said? So there was a need for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek. That is how come he made an intro of Melchizedek in Genesis, even before the law. God is a wise God. And all these things are after his foreknowledge. His foreknowledge is before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. So it is that another priest would rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Now go to verse 12. For the priesthood being changed. So he's trying to now tell us that there was an issue with the priesthood. Amen. I said amen. I said amen. Therefore the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. Uh-huh. If you, if you can read the NIV, but we don't have time, so you can do that as an assignment. Is this not a classroom? For he of whom these things are spoken pertained to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. He said that the, the priesthood of Jesus Christ that he is talking about here has nothing to do with Levi. No. It had to do with Judah. And nobody gave any rule that priesthood should come from Judah after the law or in the law of Moses. Under the law of Moses, priesthood was coming, was supposed to come out of Levi or Levi. So it is for he of whom these things are spoken pertaining to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Uh huh. Continue. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. So Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood when he came to Judah, but he spoke concerning priesthood when he came to Levi. And Jesus did not come after Levi, but after Judah. So the scepter shall not depart out of Israel until Shiloh comes. Shiloh was Christ Jesus. Did you hear what I just said there? That was Jacob prophesying concerning his twelve sons. So powerful. For it is evident that our Lord's plan, now continue verse 15. And it is yet far more evident, for that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Do you see there? After the similitude of Melchizedek, there ariseth another priest. Uh huh. Who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. Hallelujah. Says this priest is not made after laws of natural command or natural laws, but it's made after the power of an endless life. So that God had a plan for a particular tabernacle and a particular priesthood. Even before the world began. And even in the time under the law of Moses. That's what is confirming here. Continue. Verse 17. For he testified that thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That's Psalm 
Psalm 110 verse 4. He's speaking it and talking about that's Paul. Uh-huh. For there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before because of the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. Uh-huh. For the Lord made nothing perfect but the bringing in of a better hope did. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Continue. And inasmuch as not without an oath, now give us the NIV. I think the NIV will do as good here than the King James. Amen. I want a simple translation so that you can just read it and understand. Are we there? For the law made nothing perfect. And a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. Uh Verse 20. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath. Uh huh. But he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 22. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. I didn't hear an hallelujah to that. Go to verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since. There have been many of those priests. It is since death prevented them from continuing in office. There were many priests, but death prevented them from continuing in the office of priesthood. Because they would die. Now continue. Are you following the, the reading? But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Shout hallelujah to that. Now continue. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he does not die. You see, so when I said that there were faults, first of all, with the tabernacle. See, the tabernacle and the, the priesthood under the law of Moses was a shadow, the Bible says, was a figure of that which was to come. It was a shadow of the heavy, heavenly tabernacle and the heavenly priesthood which was yet to be fully established, or yet to be fully realized, even though God knew about all of that. They all know in God. So it now tells us that, it tells us the problems, or the problem that was with the priesthood under the law, here in Hebrews chapter 7. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. So, under the law, under the law, the priest could not live to intercede for them always. Because the priest would die at the age of 70, or the high priest would die at the age of 80, or 70 or 50, and there would be a change. So there was a problem there. I wanted to see some of the problems that God saw, because I'm taking you somewhere. Say, take us, sir. Therefore, he's able to save complete those who come to God through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. Go to verse 26. Oh, shout glory. It says, such a high priest meets our need. One who is holy, who is blameless, who is pure, who is set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. We will come back to this scripture. So it means that the high the Levitical priest, or the high priest under the Levitical priesthood, under the law of Moses, couldn't be pure, couldn't be holy. In fact, the scripture says that when he was sacrificing for the sins of the people, he was first of all sacrificing for his own sins. As a priest, or as a high priest, once every year, the priest had sacrifices daily. The priest, 
Then the high priest made sacrifice once every year. Say once every year. And was making sacrifices for himself and for his families. And then for the congregation of Israel. Why? Because he was not pure. He was not holy. He was not without weakness. The Bible says that the the King James says that the priest had infirmities. Meaning that the priest could be sick. The high priest could be sick. Can Jesus be sick? No. So God saw, even though he established, he did all of that, there was a problem with the priesthood under the law of Moses. So there's pure set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Verse 27. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day. First for his own sins, and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. Did you hear that? So he's comparing the priesthood of Jesus to that of Levi or the Levitical priesthood. Go to verse 28. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak. The law of Moses appoints as high priest men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law appointed the son who has been made perfect forevermore. Do you see the difference here? Is it there? Take us to Hebrews chapter. I want us to see the weaknesses before we enter into one, one or two. Say one or two. Hebrews chapter 9, from verse 8 to 14. Oh, Debe Edisi Avali Gadahasa. Hebrews chapter 9, from verse 8 to 14. Come on, shout glory, sir. He says, The Holy Ghost, they signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest. This and that's the tabernacle and the temple. The way into the holiest of all, where it is supposedly known that the glory of God or the presence of God dwelt. First of all, in the tabernacle, in the holiest of all. That was where the presence of God, the glory of God was. Only the high priest could, do, could go. The temple had similar. Because the ark was taken into the temple. Shout glory. When a young man made a mistake and touched the ark, he died at once. That's how serious it was. But God didn't like it to be like that. God didn't want it to be like that. So the Holy Ghost is signifying that they went into the holiest of all. Was not yet manifest. Why did he say was not yet manifest? Because there was no access into the presence of God. The presence of God in the tabernacle and the temple was hidden. The glory of God was hidden. In the most holy place. That is, within the temple, the innermost sanctuary was called the most, there was the most holy place where the presence, the ark of covenant was. See, overlaid by the cherubim of his glory. And the presence was there. And no one had access into the presence of God. Did you hear what I said? Anybody who made a mistake would die. The high priest entered with a long rope and with a bell. 
So if he enters the holiest of all, or the most holy place, the most holy place, and after a period of time he's not coming, it means that he made a mistake in his sacrifices and was killed there. And nobody could enter to take his body, so he had to be pulled out with a rope. Why? The presence of God was so fierce. <laughs> was so what? Think about it. In the temple. So here Paul is saying that at that time, the way to the holiest of all had not yet been opened. Such that nobody could have access apart from the high priest. And he, he had access even with caution to prevent his death. Continue from verse 9. Did you understand what he just said here? Did you understand what he just said here? So which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect. So the sacrifices that the high priest was making and the priests were all making could not make they themselves perfect to make the others perfect as pertaining to their conscience. Continue. Which stood only in meat and drinks and diverse washings and canal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation. Go to verse 11. Wow, wow, wow. Shout glory. But Christ being, Christ being come an high priest of good things to come by a greater and, a, and more perfect tabernacle. You see, he says that Christ has become a high priest of good things to come by a greater tabernacle and a perfect tabernacle. Meaning the tabernacle under the law was not greater and was not perfect. Another another. Reading says that was not true. What tabernacle was he talking about? We'll come to that right now. It says, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. The tabernacle that Moses made was made with hands. Human hands. That is to say, not of this building. Not of this building, this building, this building. Building of stones and sand and all kinds of, uh, what do we call it? materials that are physical materials not this building go to verse 12 neither by the blood of, of goats and calves but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place having obtained eternal redemption for us we'll come back here don't worry just read it verse 13 for if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified to the purifying of the flesh Verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? So he's telling us there was a problem. Now, you can also write Hebrews chapter 10, but we didn't read it. So even though the law was given and the law has faults and all that, God had his eyes First of all, on a particular tabernacle and on a particular priesthood. And that is the priesthood we are talking about. The high priestly ministry of Jesus. Write it down. God had his eyes on a particular tabernacle, tabernacle and a particular priesthood. Shout glory. 
is that not powerful? He said, is that not powerful? Shout glory. Who is following what we are teaching right now? If you are following, give me a shout of glory. You know, so what you do is this. After all of this, you go back and learn. Study it for yourself. Study it for yourself. It's so important, understanding the priest. I'll show you why it's important as we continue. Amen. So, God had his eyes on a particular or a peculiar priesthood and a peculiar tabernacle. Amen. God needed a lamp dash high priest. Write it down. God needed a lamp high priest or a lamp priest and a Godman high priest or a Godman priest. Two things that God needed. God needed a lamp priest, a lamp high priest, lamp hyphenated high priest. And God also needed a Godman hyphenated high priest. A lamb high priest and a Godman high priest. Say it after me. A lamb high priest and a Godman high priest. Or a lamb priesthood. A lamb priesthood in quotes. And a Godman priesthood in quotes. So important. Now let's look at the lamp high priest. God said God needed a lamp high priest. And God needed, the third one is a true tabernacle. The first one is a lamp high priest. Second is what? The Godman high priest. The third one is a true tabernacle. He says this tabernacle had been pitched in heaven. Is that not true? So if you followed what I was teaching on the, on the tithes, I said that the high priest ministers in the heavenly sanctuary. Is that not true? I'm showing, I want to show you what the heavenly tabernacle is talking about actually. is. So the true or heavenly tabernacle, the true tabernacle, so it's not made with hands or not made with earthly materials. A tabernacle not made with hands. So God needed or required a true tabernacle or a heavenly tabernacle. Write it down. If you have written the, the third one down. A true tabernacle or a heavenly tabernacle not made with human hands or earthly materials. Not made with human hands or earthly materials. So the first one is the lamp high priest. The lamp high priest. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. From verse 11 again, where we read. Now, in my teachings on the garden, the cross, and the throne, and, and I think my teaching... On the communion. What's the title of that teaching on the communion? The first one is the broken body. And the second one is what? The cup of blessing. 
I think it's the, the, the boat. I don't know which one is it now. But the cup of blessing. Now, I mentioned that Jesus was not just a lamp. Jesus was a human lamp. Did I say that? Jesus was a human lamp. So, John says, John says, I think we discussed it in, if you follow the Remathon we just did. We discussed it. He says, John said, Behold the Lamb of God, or see the Lamb of God. Before then, there were lambs that were slain under the law of Moses. But those lambs could not wash away sins. I said the priesthood is connected to the sacrifice for sins. So the priest under the Old Testament, one of the major duties was to offer sacrifices for sins. See, to, to make sacrifices for sins. Now, and they did it with the blood of bulls and goats. And those blood could not wash away the sins of the people. What the blood did is what we refer to as atonement for sins. Atonement means a cover-up for, for sins. Atonement actually means the cover-up of sins. So, the blood covered the sins of the congregation of Israel. But the blood could not wash away the sins. There was a need for a pure blood to wash away the sins of the world and also to wash away the sins of the Old Testament. So, it had to do with the transgressions under the Old Testament. The transgressions under the Old Testament. So there was a need for a human lamp. Jesus was that human lamp. And he, on the cross, was what? A sin offering and a scapegoat. I think we talked about that. But you see, it's because the lamp was slain, but the lamp that was slain could not wash away the sins, there was a need for a lamp, a human lamp, to be slain and to be presented as an offering, a sacrifice for the saints, so that the blood of that human lamb would wash away the sins of the world and the transgressions of the old covenant. So Jesus was an offering for sin, a sin offering. We said that before, severally. And that Jesus was a scapegoat also. A scapegoat according to the law of Moses, was said that the priest would pronounce on the scapegoat the sins of the people. He would take, touch, hold the ram and speak the sin, confess the sins of the people. This one stole cat. This one stole goat. This one stole this. This one stole this. This one killed. That one this. Pronounce the sins on the scapegoat. So one was a sin offering that was a lamp that was a sin offering, offered for the saints, or slain for the saints, so that the blood of that lamp will cover up. The other was a scapegoat. Scapegoat means that it's not a scapegoat. Is that not true? So the scapegoat means that it was a goat that we pronounce the words on. And then after the pronouncement of the saints of the people, the high priest will make sure that the goat is taken by the Bible calls him a fit man into the wilderness. And then that, that scapegoat is released. That's what it's called a scapegoat. It's released into the wilderness. It is assumed that the sins of the people was being carried away by that scapegoat into the wilderness. Is that not strange? Was that perfect? 
So Jesus was the human lamp. The reason why I said he's the human high priest is because when you read Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible says that we have a high priest. Oh, take us to Hebrews chapter 2 quickly. It calls him a human high priest because it says he, because for as much as the children were partakers of flesh and blood, this Jesus also took part of the same. In other words, he came as flesh and blood. Do you know what I'm talking about? Flesh and blood. It says that he became obedient unto death. But before he became obedient unto death, he took upon him the similitude of, of man. He became a man with flesh and blood. So Hebrews says, for as much as it is in verse 15, he also likewise took part of the same, that through death, uh-huh, go to verse 15, let me see, and delivered them with through fear of death, where all their lifetimes have yet to bondage. 16. For verily, he took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. You see, so we, we call him the human lamb. He was also a lamb because he was going to be slain. Who understood what I said? So he was not a God lamb. He was a human lamb. Because he had flesh and blood. According to Hebrews here, he took upon him the nature, or the seed of Abraham, not the nature of an angel. And took flesh and blood, like 14 says. Philippians 2 says the same, but we can't go into that. And be found in fasting as a man. And be found in what? In fasting as a man. Though he was equal with God, he was found in fasting as a man and became obedient unto death. So it's a human lamp. Did I say that? That is where we say he's the lamp high priest. Or human lamp high priest. How are you put by the lamp high priest? is okay, else the terms will be too much. Come and shout glory. Now take us back to Hebrews. Yanko Hebrews. Is that not what you say? Take us back to Hebrews chapter hmm. Hebrews chapter 9 Hebrews chapter 9 Quickly because of our time I want to make sure I deal with this thing And then end it And I give you an assignment to read Hebrews And discuss Hebrews Come and shout glory Hebrews chapter 9 from verse 11 From verse 11 Again. Mm-hmm. Is that not powerful? It says, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This Lamb was taking away the sins of the world, and this Lamb was also washing away the transgressions that was covered up under the Old Testament which could not be washed by the blood of bulls and goats. Amen. Just see the Lamb of God. But Christ being give me the NIV. Oh, Hebrews chapter 9. Is that not strange and powerful? When Christ came as high priest of good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is not made, not man-made. That is to say, not a part of this creation. Uh He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all 
by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. Uh The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of an heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. Mm -hmm. Verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. So he's telling us that the blood of goods could not purge the conscience of the people. But the blood of Jesus purges the conscience. He's telling us that the blood of... Now continue. To verse 14, right? That's it to verse 14. Give me the King James of that again. Come on, shout glory. Shout glory. So this, but Christ... Being come an high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. That is to say, not of this building. Neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. I will explain this to you quickly. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifier to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Says, and for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. Come on, shout glory. Shout glory. Now, go to verse 25, the same chapter. Verse 25, the same chapter. Let's start somewhere from verse 24, so that I don't know why. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Do you see it there? Hmm. See the Lamb High Priest. I'm reading this scripture, I'll explain something very quickly. Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest as the high priest entered into the holy place every year with blood of others. Verse 26. Very often. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world has he appeared to put away sin, how? By the sacrifice of himself. So this time, Jesus the body of Jesus, Jesus bodily, offered himself as a lamp so that his blood could wash away the sins of the world and purge the conscience of the sinner from dead works. Purge the conscience. So he presented himself instead of the, the Old Testament slaying a lamp, Jesus was slain as that lamp, as, a, as an offering for sins. And was offered as an offering. Was, was offered as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. So he could wash away the sins of the world. This is a human lamp. Did you hear that? So in Hebrews chapter 10, Paul explains something. Can we go there quickly? So what happened is this. When Jesus went to the cross, on the cross... His spirit was wearing sin. But his body also had been a body that was presented 
as a sin offering, as a sacrifice for sins. On the cross, he was the sacrifice for the sins of the world and the transgressions under the Old Testament. He was like that animal that was slain to cover up sin. But this time, this particular person had a pure blood. So, he washed away the sins. It is called the remission of sins. The washing away of sins. By the pure blood of Jesus. Did you hear what I said? Is that not powerful? Who caught the picture of what I was just explaining right now? Who caught the picture? If you caught the picture, I want to see a wave. This is for the Lord having a shadow of good things to come. And not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year. Do you see there? This is a reading. They offered sacrifice year by year. So it's a shadow, the Lord having a shadow of good things to come. So what we have experienced is the good things, right? But the people were, were experiencing the shadow. So it says the Lord having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image. Or not the very resemblance of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. The law. Go to verse 2. It's a long reading, so it's so powerful. For then will they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have, should have had no more conscience of sins. Verse 3. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance. So it's saying that under the law, even though sacrifices were made, there was still a remembrance of those sins. They, they, <laughs> they made sacrifice for the sins, yet the people could still remember the sins. Their own sins. Continue. continue. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. I thought I would hear glory to that. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So he said, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body, when he, come into, when he came into the world, the body hast thou prepared for me. Wherefore, when he cometh into the continue verse 6, I want to show you a body hast thou prepared. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, Thou hast no pleasure. Uh-huh. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book as it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Uh-huh. Mark that a body has thou prepared for me. We'll come back to it. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings, and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Verse 9. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Continue. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. So he offered up his body. He says, once for all. Do you see there? Continue. And every priest standeth daily, ministering, offering ministering and offering 
oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. He offered the sacrifice what? Once for all. So you see the correlation between the sacrifice for saints and the high priest. We'll get into that, where the high priest comes in right now. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for saints forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Verse 13. For from henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Say, I'm perfected forever. Verse 15. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, verse 16, quickly. This is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. Continue, verse 17. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Verse 18. Now while remission of, of this is, there is no more offering for sin. Remission of sins. Verse 19, quickly. Having therefore brethren boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You see, I told you that it was only the high priest that could enter into the holy, the most holy place where the presence of God supposedly was. In the temple and in the tabernacle. Did you hear that? Continue verse 20. By a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. Now wait. This is a very powerful passage. Eh? I wish maybe we should deal with it next week. But listen to me. Listen. Next week, do we have a Wednesday next week? Is there a Wednesday again? Okay. But now listen. When Jesus died, listen. Are you listening? He offered up his body for the sins of the whole world. He offered up his body. When he died and was buried, he was raised back to life. When he was raised back to life, first of all, before he died, he had dealt with the issue of sin through as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. But when he was raised back to life, now, he ascended twice. The ascension that the people were looking at, and he was levitating, and went into the heavens, was the second ascension. So, Jesus ascended twice. His first ascension was to present his body to the Father. Now, when he was on the cross, something happened. When he gave up the ghost, the Bible says that the curtains of the temple that separated the temple and that, that temple that in which the presence of God was kept, the Bible says that the temple divided from, from down to top. Or from bottom to top. 
signifying that by his death, that place that only the high priest could enter, the way to which, where we read in Hebrews chapter 9, that said that there was no way that was made, only the high priest could enter, by that act, the way to the temple had been cleared. And the presence of God could not be kept in the temple. In that temple again. Because the way to that presence had been opened. If we heard that shout glory to that. So now, the presence of God was not in that temple any longer. So when Jesus died, he had made that way to his death. To the presence of God that was in the temple. And made the presence of God now available. Then when he died and he was raised back to life. When Mary went to the tomb in the, in the epistle. In the, in the gospel of John. Sorry. And Mary met, went to the tomb and discovered that Jesus was not there. And he said that they have taken away my Jesus. And I do not, we do not know where they put him. And he was talking. When, that, when the angels asked him, Jesus spoke with Mary. And when Jesus said, Mary, Mary said, Mary discovered that it was Jesus that was standing there. And said, Rabbi. And Mary was about to touch him. And he told Mary, touch me not. For I have not yet ascended to my God and your God. Or my Lord and your Lord. Why? Because he was, he was going up there to present his body. Not without blood. To the Father. Into the presence of God. You hear what I said? He was going to present himself there. So he couldn't be touched. The touch of Mary would have made him impure. So he had to go there. And when he went, he presented himself there. Now, when he presented himself, his body there, that body of Jesus was and is the true tabernacle that God was after. So Jesus in heaven is the true tabernacle. His, <laughs> you know what I said? His body is the true tabernacle. Or the true temple. And he himself is also the high priest. So Jesus in the heaven is both a high priest and what? A tabernacle. So when it talks about a minister of the sanctuary, a minister of the temple, a minister of the tabernacle, he's referring to the body of Jesus. That is why we are the tabernacles of God on this earth. As the priest. Where I said there. And he has made it possible for that presence that was kept to be made available into all his tabernacles. So it, unlike when it's only the high priest that has access, we don't even have access. We are housing the presence of God. So that presence that was fierce is now in us. And we also have access to that presence in the heavens because we stay in the heavens. By reason of 
his sacrifice, number one, and number two, his presentation of his body to the Father. You heard a child glory. So the Bible calls him, or what I call him, it's not even the Bible, I was the one who coined that, is the lamp high priest. The one who was slain. Amen. That is why it says, by a new, and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 20, it says, by a new and living way, which he has consecrated for which people, for us, through the veil, that is to say his flesh. So through his flesh, he has made it possible. He has made a new and living way to the holiest of all. Is that not strange? That means that that temple signified his flesh. The temple that was divided signified his flesh. When his flesh was broken and he gave up the ghost. Because of the correlation between his flesh and that curtain, when his flesh was broken and he gave up the ghost, the temple was divided. Did you hear what I said? It's by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. If you heard that shout, glory to that. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Wow. Who heard what I said there? So the true tabernacle is talking about is what? Is the body of Jesus or the flesh of Jesus. So Jesus is sitting at the right of the, of the Father as the true tabernacle. Also as the high priest. <laughs> oh, that's powerful. And because of that, we have been made the tabernacles of God on this earth. The temples of God. And also the priests of God. This is for your temples of the Holy Ghost. It says we are being built up. The Bible says we are being built up as a habitation of God through the Spirit. When it says that it's talking with regards to individually, we are the temples of the Spirit. But it's talking with regards to the collective body of Christ. The body of Christ is being built up. It's being built up. All Christians are being built up as a habitation of God through the Spirit. Shout glory to that. Then we said Jesus is what? The God-man high priest. Say the God-man high priest. Now, why do we say the God-man high, God high priest? We say that because and when you have time, read the scriptures have been given, Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 10, and all that, newer translations, you catch the first step. So simple. Is the first step not simple, it's It's simple. But you have to go and get used to it. Yes, that's all. Now, why do we say the God-man high priest? The God-man high priest was, is, I say that because even though the priesthood was under the law of Moses, I said it earlier, there was a problem with the priesthood. Was there a problem with the priesthood? Yes, there was. Yes, there was. Why? Because God needed a pure high priest without blame, without spot, who would pass into the heavens 
a high priest without infirmities, without sicknesses, diseases, and weaknesses. The only person qualified to be like that was the person who would be a God man. Why? Because if he was just a man, all the high priests were men. True or false? And all the priests under the law of Moses were all men. So we needed somebody who will not die. It will only take a God man who will not die. Oh, <laughs> you didn't hear what I said. Is that not true? So there was a need for that high priest to be a God man. And that is why he introduced Melchizedek. And when he introduced Melchizedek, he describes this Melchizedek. And he says that the, the high priest ministry of, ministry of Jesus will be after the order of Melchizedek. But then he mentions Melchizedek and describes this Melchizedek. Meaning that Melchizedek was a God man. Why? Because he says that Melchizedek was without descent. Was without father, without mother. With no descent. With no beginning and no end. No end of days or end of life or beginning of days. Could a man look like that or be like that? No. Only a God man could. So the high priest was supposed to be a God man high priest. A person described just like Melchizedek. Hebrews chapter 7. Can I share with you some of these things? Is that not powerful? Who understood the Lamb High Priest? Quick, and then the Tabernacle. Ah, this thing is not strange and powerful. Is this not important? It says that where are we reading now? Hebrews chapter seven. A God man. Say the God man High Priest. Are we there? For this, if you are there, give me a wave and shout glory. glory. To cut this one before we close, so important. For this, you know, the reason why I want to finish this is because so that when you come or when you go, you can study it all for yourself. So that we can have discussions on some of these things. Is that not true? For this Melchizedek, look at it very well, King of Salem. Priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. He is called the King of Salem. Continue. That's a, a semicolon there. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. I said the last two weeks that anybody that says tithe is past doesn't understand the Melchizedek order of priesthood. Did I say that? And I'll give you a scripture right now here. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. This is not a normal preaching. This is a normal preaching. <laughs> but the Lord wants me to teach this thing at this time. Amen. To whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. First being by interpretation king of righteousness. So God needed a high priest to be a king of righteousness. Which no man could qualify. Except the man was a God man. Is that not true? And that is Jesus. So he says that 
That's why we call him the son of God. The son of God means a God man. Amen. So it's despised being by interpretation the king of righteousness. And after that also the king of Salem, which is king of peace. Could anybody be a king of peace? No. Continue. Verse 3. Without father. You see the qualification here? I do you see the qualification? I said, do you see the qualification here? So the, 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 the high priest that God was eyeing should have this kind of qualification. It is without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God, abided a priest continually, which the priesthood under the law of Moses could not have. Continue verse 4. Now consider how great this man was, unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils. Uh-huh. So you see, in the New Testament, when we are, giving, we are paying our tithes, we are giving our tithes, we are giving it to the high priest. And this high priest is greater. So under the law of Moses, they were giving the high priest to the priest. They were giving their tithes, paying their tithes to the priest. And that even had a problem. Paul mentions that problem here. And verily they that are of the sons of Levi, who received the office of the priesthood, have a commandment to take tithes of the people, according to the law, according to the law that is of their brethren, though they come out of the loins of Abraham. So, he's saying that Levi was taking tithes from his own brothers. And they all come from the loins of Abraham. So there was a problem. Then he brings a colon, verse 6. Verse 6, quickly. But he, whose descent is not counted from them, received tithes of Abraham. So who received the tithes of Abraham? He whose descent is not counted. And bless him that had the promises. Continue. And without all contradiction, the less is blessed of the better. Come on, shout glory. The same chapter. The same chapter. Go to 26 to 28, the same chapter. Mazati Likados. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, do you see there? Harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. Could any man be like this, except the person was a son of God, or a God man? Go to verse 27. Who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the peoples. For this he did once when he offered up himself. Verse 28. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity. Do you see there? By the word of the oath, which was since the law, maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. Shout glory. Oh, hear what I said there. So the only person that was qualified was Christ Jesus. So Jesus is the God-man high priest. Why? Because the qualification that was needed, that was required for him to be a high priest, no man could have it. To be pure, to be blameless, to be king of righteousness, to be king of peace, to be without dissent, 
Was, it, was anyone qualified to be like that? No. So God had an eye. First of all, on a lamb high priest. Secondly, on a Godman high priest. And God had an eye on a tabernacle that is the body of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only the body that he has presented, but the body that we are. Are we the body of Christ? Come on, shout glory. Who understood what I just explained quite quickly? Shout glory. Shout glory. Shout glory. Amen. Now write this down. Some duties of the high priest. We may not be able to go into all of that. If we had time, we would have read to Hebrews chapter 2. The reason being that I don't want to come to this subject again. Amen. I said amen. amen. I said amen. amen. So some duties of the high priest. Number one. Write it down. Are you writing something down? I said, are you writing something down? Some duties of the high priest. Write number one. Reconciliatory duties. Reconciliatory. Let's end with this one. Reconciliatory duties. The Christian is a king priest. Did I say that? Reconciliatory duties. Have you written it down? Number two. The president. I don't know whether I should use the word president. Over our confessions. That is okay. Is it okay? Is it okay? Do I use president? Is it okay? I mean that he's presiding over our confessions. As a high priest, he presides over our confessions. Is that not powerful? Intercession or advocacy duty. Advocacy, advocacy, intercession or intercessory duties. I may not teach this thing this time, but I want you to keep it on record. I'll teach it in one of our Easter programs. Amen. Intercessory or advocacy duties. Have you got it down? Ministering in the heavenly sanctuary through his blood. Oh, DCVD Adohof. And then the last one is mediation duties. The first one is the reconciliatory duties. It's precise over our confessions. I just said president. I don't know whether it's correct, but I think it will help you to understand what I mean. Amen. Intercessory duties. Ministering in the sanctuary through his blood and mediation duties. Shout glory. Hallelujah. So we end with this today and 
this is an assignment. You must go listen and then read the scriptures. If you do not read it, you wouldn't be able to catch it. 